This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys for another episode of our preview show. Not in the usual format of it being live. Uh, this week is a pre-recorded preview show looking ahead to the game against Southampton. Reason being for that is, is fairly obvious, as those of you know, I'll be in Chicago as you're listening. Actually, I won't be in Chicago yet. I'll be at the airport waiting to go to Chicago, but hence why I can't do the usual 8am show. Um, but I'm very happy to be joined this episode by NBC Sports lead soccer writer and long-suffering <laughs> Southampton fan, uh, Joe Prince. Right, how you doing, mate? You good, well? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on and uh, totally spot on with the description there, mate. Very long-suffering Saints fan, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's been a few good years amongst it, but not many, mate. So strangely, been in this situation many times before as a Saints fan and uh, as we've spoken about, uh, I think it's a very good team for Arsenal to be playing uh, next after these uh, couple of recent results. Yeah, it's uh, it probably does come at a good time for Arsenal and probably the worst possible time for, for South. I say that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Arsenal's form maybe going into this game shortly, but I do want to talk to you about Southampton's season because you're on to your third manager uh, in the campaign after Ralph Hasenhutl and Nathan Jones departed. Overall... What have you made of what has been, from a relegation standpoint, one of the most competitive seasons that we've probably ever seen in the Premier League? Yeah, honestly, Tom, I can't really believe that they still have a chance of getting out of trouble. They've mm-hmm. been um, really that bad. The, the fact that they're only, what, four points from safety heading into this game is pretty crazy to me. But um, that gives them some belief. But you mentioned there, three managers in a season is never a good sign. For so long, they've been kind of steady but unspectacular the last four or five years under Ralph all They would cause upsets, just about get enough points to stay up every season quite comfortably. 
but they were at a real crossroads. The new owners have been in for what just over a year now. Obviously, the transfer model is very different. Rasmus Ankerson leading that did a lot of great recruitment work at Brentford, but a lot of the fan base feels that um, this is kind of a hangover from the previous ownership, the Gal. Uh, ownership where not a lot of money was spent for many years, um, didn't replace the likes of Danny Ings. So there was a lack of goals, which we're seeing this season really come back to to bite them in the backside. And yeah, a lot of good young players have arrived, mate, but just not enough quality really to help them settle in. And straight away, they're being asked to be regulars and stars in the Premier League. And some of them are very good, as I know we're going to talk about. But this is kind of expected at the start of the season when we saw the squad Saints fans, I think, were a bit fearful about what was going to happen this season. It was brave. It was bold. Um, the new owners want to take the club in a different direction. But um, I have to say, I think Hasenhut was a little bit harshly treated. Um, really hasn't had any money to spend the whole time he was at the club. Then they had a bit of money to spend in the summer and then in January again to bring in some talented youngsters. And I personally would love to have seen him throughout the rest of this season and what he could have done with that very structured high pressing and that style but even he lost his way a little bit at the end trying to play a bit more defensive nathan jones less said about that the better and then ruben sellers um yeah a couple of decent wins to start with but lack of goals again is a big problem one of his idols is rafa benitez so this saints team from a playing perspective is very different uh than the one that arsenal faced at the start of this season much more defensive um, again, Benitez kind of style, 4-5-1 almost at times, very defensive. Um, but I don't quite know what to make. And like I said at the start, I have no idea how they are still in a situation where they can get themselves out of the relegation zone. But I'm thankful that they are. Yeah, of course you would be. Um, I just I look at that Southampton side and we're going to go into like the lineup that you'd like to see play on Friday shortly. But... There are some really, you know, good players in the, in that side. Romeo Lavia obviously stands out as one. It's been linked to Arsenal uh, as well. But obviously the signings that have come in, Suleimana, uh, Alcaraz, um, and obviously players, other young players that have been there before that, like Bella Kocha, for instance, you know, there's quality there. Mm-hmm. What What's kind of not clicking and working? Obviously, it's a lack of goals. Why do you think the goals aren't coming? Yeah, I mean, they're the lowest scorers in the Premier League. It's just mm. um, it's just a lack of belief, confidence, getting the right players in, in combinations throughout the season. They've tried everything, Tom. They've, they've rotated entire squads around. They've been playing Alcarez and Sulemana basically up top the last couple of games and their central midfielder and a winger. They're just trying anything right now to get quality players on the pitch together at the same time. But yeah, it's just... It's an over-reliance, I think, on someone like James Ward-Prowse, who is very good in a system and has that extra quality with deliveries and long-range passing and and crosses into the box. But almost just not getting him in the right positions either for him to flourish. So it's just uh, they're playing with a fear, mate. I think that's the best way to put it right now. And they look like a team that don't believe they're going to get out of uh, the relegation scrap and... um, it's almost when no one believes they're going to do anything. They do cause a few upsets this season, as we've seen um, against City in the Cup and coming back against uh, some of the big boys to grab points. So they're a really strange team to try and dissect. I've spent all season long trying to do it and uh, <laughs> I'm still none the wiser, to be honest. So that's very troubling. But um, yeah, like you said, the, the worrying thing for me is if they do go down, which looks like that's going to happen, then there are five or six players, Lavia, Balakot, Chap, Ward-Prowse, Suleimana, 
uh, Carl Walker-Peters that I think a lot of Premier League teams, even some of the top six, would, would really like to take them on. So I kind of do fear for Saints that they do go down because there won't be like a Fulham or a Watford situation where they'll keep most of their best players. I think they'll be decimated, to put it uh, quite quite uh, abruptly. But let's wait and see yeah. what happens. There's still a few more games to go. Yeah, we were, I mean, I suppose that the, the flip side, some of those you mentioned, Suleimana, for instance, Alcaraz, players who've only just signed, you know, obviously are on long-term contracts. So you'd hope that they'd be able to recoup if they are to move on a significant fee for those players. But going down is always going to be a challenge. And then getting back up to the Premier League is, is such a... It's such a challenge with the amount of former Premier League sides in that division that are all trying to do the same thing. So how the new ownership of, like kind of respond to a potential relegation, which I genuinely I don't really want. I don't want to see South. They're one of the teams I quite like. You know, it's a nice place to go as well on the South Coast for a game. That's very selfish from a journalistic standpoint, but it is a nice place to go on the South Coast. Um, I want to ask you about Maitland Niles as well. He obviously won't be playing uh, in today in Friday's game, but he's. Again, similar to Arsenal, never found the position of where you feel like that's where he's going to be in the future. He's played right back. I think he's played left back. He's played in midfield. What have you made of his loan spell? Yeah, he even played centre-back against Tottenham when there was a few centre-back injuries and he Mm. came on. So, yeah, he's played literally everywhere. Um, And he's kind of playing like that. He's playing as a player that hasn't really got any form right now in terms of what's being asked of him. He has played at right back a lot recently. Um, I, I still don't really know that's his best position, to be honest. I think maybe midfield as part of a three on the right side of that would probably be uh, where he suits him best. Um, he's got quality on the ball. He, he's shown that in glimpses this season for Saints, but it's hard, mate, in a struggling team when there's, again, not a lot of chances being created. And I think one of the best things about him really was, again, how good he is combining on the ball, getting forward and from wide areas kind of, Adding to that. So I feel a bit sorry for him in some regards. Uh, when he first came in, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl really liked him, tried to get him several times before. I think when he went to West Brom previously, Saints were trying to get him as well. Um, so that he really liked him. And then that manager left after a few months. So And he was playing in midfield a lot at the start of the season. But now he's been playing at fullback. Um, again, he's versatile, um, experienced. He's kind of got the Arsenal link up there with Theo Walcott down the right flank. So they're rolling back the years there, those two. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Of course, it all depends on where Saints are next season. But he's been a, a good utility squad player. But I think it's fair to say probably hasn't been the season either he or Southampton wanted uh, from him so far. Arsenal, because they'd obviously hope that he would have had a really good season. They'd be able to sell him on for a good fee wherever he was going to go in the summer. But again, I think it's going to be one of those tricky cases where maybe Arsenal end up kind of terminating a deal or, you know, we see another loan with, you know, basically like an already a pre-agreed price before the end of the season. So I think we saw similar of Ganduzi when he went to Marseille. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame that that's gone the way that it has. Maybe if he'd have specialised a lot sooner in his career into a position, we would have seen more from the player. But... Yeah. It's, it's a shame, maybe, the way that that's gone. Um, let's let's focus on Arsenal. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show, Joe, obviously, uh, both of us were at the uh, the London Stadium yesterday, uh, as in two days ago by the time the show goes out, um, at the game between Arsenal and West Ham, in which Arsenal, for the second time in a row, allowed a two-goal lead to slip. It did feel different to the Anfield game. You know, that was a very much, uh, you know, you're at Anfield against Liverpool. It was almost an inevitability about Liverpool coming back. But... West Ham were completely quiet. The crowd was dead at 2-0 and then a penalty. 
out of nowhere just changed the whole complexion of the game. And then Arsenal never really recovered necessarily from that. And despite dominating a bit more possession in the second half, we weren't able to create anything really, you know, clear cut in the second half mm. either. So do you feel as though that even though you said they obviously, yeah, at the start of the show, Arsenal was the worst kind of team to come up against for a side trying to pick up points in the relegation scrap, are Southampton maybe going to be emboldened by this drop in form of the Gunners? I think so. I think um, it's, it's still going to be daunting, but mm. I think Southampton can take a lot from the game earlier in the season where they drew against Arsenal at home. I was at that one at St Mary's. And again, looking back and thinking about it now, very similar to this recent run where Arsenal were dominant in the first half, uh, battered Southampton, and then Southampton came back and were quite strong in the second half. And I think I remember walking away like, oh, they could have actually nicked that and won that 2-1 somehow, which was... Um, yeah, I guess similar kind of vibes for the last few games. But yeah, I think Saints, as I mentioned, the, the mentality's changed a little bit with Ruben Sayers. I think that now they're just going to sit in. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if uh, sort of a more attacking 4-4-2 becomes almost a 4-5-1 for most of this game um, and just try and hang on and see if they can hit Arsenal on the counter. Um, but the only worry I do have for Saints is compared to Liverpool and West Ham, um, especially even West Ham, I think, Going forward, the goals is a big issue for Saints. And if Shea Adams isn't available through fitness, then I really don't know um, who's going to be able to finish off some of these chances that they might get and Arsenal might give up like they have been in recent weeks. So, again, it's almost, you know, we spoke to Granit Xhaka, didn't we, after the game, and he's promised yeah. a reaction uh, on Friday. So um, I, I think, again, this might be a... <laughs> it seems to happen to Saints. I'm not making excuses, but it's happened to them a lot this season. They've been playing teams at sort of the wrong time after a bad result for them or certain players coming back. And I'd be shocked again if Arsenal aren't two or two nil, two nil up after, you know, 25, 30 minutes uh, at the Emirates on Friday. Yeah, you alluded to, to Granit Xhaka's words. I mean, let's hear directly from the man himself as to what Arsenal fans can expect on Friday. It is still nine games unbeaten. You know, you're on that run of without losing. It's how important is it in those moments where the opposition are really pushing you to not concede and, and keep the momentum flowing? I think you play to Liverpool, you play today, uh, very two away difficult games, in my opinion. We knew that. But um, yeah, um, let's uh, refresh everything now. Um, let's um, analyse the game today. And after uh, we keep going from uh, from tomorrow, and I'm sure that you guys, but as well from our side, you will see a re reaction on Friday. Team obviously frustrated after the game yesterday, and you can sense that is always a, a daunting moment as a journalist, kind of trying to speak to Granite Jacker. Sometimes I've been on the receiving end of refusal to answer questions in the past, and. Uh, and certainly stern responses previously. But you always do get a sense of like he's fully focused on Arsenal and really wants obviously to turn things around and Arsenal are better for having him in the team with that type of attitude. Yeah, honestly, it was a great question, uh, by the way. And I think... Yes, man. I think Granite, um, he, he doesn't seem bothered, right? I, I mean, he was mm. asked about Man City, their form, and he's like, you know what? If we win all our games, we we'll win the league. You know what? He didn't quite say we'll win the league. He couldn't bring himself to say that. But he's like, you guys know what, what will happen. So I was like, yeah. all right, yeah, we get it. Um, but yeah, he's he's got that belief. And I think everything he's been through in his career, uh, especially at Arsenal, I think he just has no fear, right? He's he's like, you know what? I've, you know, I, I don't um, need to worry about anything. Uh, the unexpected's happened in the past. So he has that steely determination and 
when he said, you know, we're going to be back out on the training ground analyzing what happened, you truly, you know that Arteta is going to do that. And you know that someone like Granit Xhaka as a leader is going to be going around to the younger players and, and giving whatever, whatever tips or advice he can give. Because he alluded to it as well. Similar, it felt very similar to the Liverpool game in many ways about the lack of control. And you know what? I actually think maybe Arsenal just got bored a little bit. Um, it was so easy in that first half against West Ham that um, they just kind of took their eye off the ball. Obviously, Declan Rice coming in, uh, forcing party into that mistake. And then Gabriel probably wasn't expecting that. And he makes a mistake for the penalty. Um, and it was almost that Arsenal, we've seen them, right, kick on and score three or four against Fulham and others and Palace in recent weeks. Um, they, they just kind of play for the first time this season, mate, where they looked like they had something to lose, where it was that situation where all season long they've been so comfortable in control and just felt like they were going to get the third or fourth. But in these last couple of games, which Shaka was mentioning there, just the lack of control, I think maybe is just a little bit of doubt for the first time. Like, oh, we're in such a great position. Let's not go too, too all out now and, and leave ourselves too exposed. And especially in the West Ham game, given what happened against Liverpool, um, that was really surprising because we were both there and it was there was nothing going on. The home fans were unbothered by that performance. West Ham was so far off it, but then one little error and uh, yeah, the whole place came alive. And again, that was the last thing that Arsenal needed. Yeah, I think maybe they'll benefit from playing the game at home, you know, because these two away games have been real gauntlets of of grounds. You know, last season, if, you, if anyone went to West Ham, knew what a cauldron of noise it was during that that European campaign and that they had such a better season um, than what we've seen of obviously this season, the season before that, obviously as well. They were really up there pushing for European places too. Um, and this season, they know that their European adventure is all about getting the win in the, in the trophy so they can qualify for the Europa League because it's not going to happen through the league. And obviously points are really important for them to stay up. I think they will be probably fine come the end of the season. It's from an Arsenal perspective now, as you said, we were scoring three fours uh, quite regularly until this point. And it seems as though the 2-0 scorelines become something of a, a mental block. And it's just we've become too comfortable and we start kicking the ball around and then make mistakes. And we have to make sure that doesn't happen. And on Friday, certainly if, if, if the scoreline goes to 2-0 in the first half, no one's going to be sitting there thinking, oh, well, that's three points sorted. Um because it could I, go might, very I might be as a sad answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, let's uh, discuss the lineups. Then, of course, we'll be doing this usually with our members um, throwing up a desired 11. So I've got Joe to, to show it. should be up on the screen ever so shortly. There it is. Um, talk us through your selection, mate, and the reasons behind them. Yeah, I, Walker Peters uh, right back, back to his usual position. He's one of Saints' best. Uh, attacking weapons really down that flank he loves to get forward and it's been really really good ever since he joined Saints from Spurs so um yeah him coming back in for Maitland-Niles who obviously has been playing there but he won't be available Bednarak and Bella Kotchap have been solid enough Bednarak is a surprise coming back in he was on loan at Villa for the first half of the season then surprisingly got recalled and said a few things about leaving Saints for a bigger club uh, and then he's had to kind of eat humble pie a little bit but He's been been solid, experienced there. Um, in goal, Bazuno, very young goalkeeper, has been kind of at hand for, for a few errors there. But Alex McCarthy is the backup option, has been injured for most of the season. So Saints really haven't had the chance to take him out of the lineup. Um, Perro coming in at left back, solid, works hard down the left flank. 
Balakotchap has been excellent whenever he's been fit for this season. Obviously, broke into the Germany team and went to the World Cup. So he's a player if they do go down. I think a lot of Premier League teams will be looking at him. Very physical defender. Um, and then, obviously, really good recovery pace as well, which will be key, uh, I think, for Saints in this game. Um, and then in midfield, I've kind of gone for back to what Saints are good at with the four, almost 2-2-2 two, two, two under Hasenhutl. And they've done it a few times under um, Sellers so far. So James Ward-Prowse, we know all about his quality. Um, Arsenal just got to stop him getting any free kicks around the area because he's one goal away from tying David Beckham's all-time record uh, as the Premier League's uh, free kick leading scorer. Lavia. Superb player. I'd be shocked if he's at Saints next season. Obviously, you mentioned Arsenal, one of the teams, along with Chelsea, potential return to Man City, many others chasing him. And he's the guy who really just gets on the ball, will turn, try and get Saints on the front foot. But the main problem for him this season, mate, is that he's not really had many players to pass it to in the final third um, and finish off the chances he creates. So Lavia's really one to watch there. Walcott, obviously out wide, has had a bit of a renaissance in recent weeks, scored. Uh, against uh, Tottenham and just been involved in a lot of good play down the right. Suleimana has been really, really good down the left. I think that'll be a tough uh, outing for Ben White there if he starts at right back. Um, great pace, um, really struggling with end product, but again, it's still a very, very young player they've brought in. But he's one to watch. I think if you haven't seen him play before, then he can cause Arsenal a few problems, especially on the counter-attack. And then up front, I've kind of gone for... Carlos Alcaraz, um, been really, really good. Great January edition like Suleimana, um, Argentine midfielder, scored a couple of goals, hit the post against Palace with a great effort last time out. Um, and if you can get him underneath Shea Adams, if Shea Adams is fit, he's missed the last couple of games. Then if Adams' hold-up play um, is there, then Alcaraz, Suleimana and even Walcott, uh, they'll be running in behind. And uh, that's something Arsenal have to keep an eye on. So, yeah, that would be my lineup. And again, a few really good young players um, that I think can cause Arsenal some problems, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you mentioned, Lavia is, is that key one to, to look out for. Uh, if Arsenal are looking to try and find a, a kind of a future replacement for Granit Xhaka, I think that's probably it, you know, on that left eight position to take on that role, progress the ball forwards, create chances. A lot of fans are talking about him as, as a potential player to look at alongside the likes of Moises Caicedo, etc. So, yeah, certainly someone that will be in the eyes of, of a lot of Arsenal fans on Friday. Um, in terms of the Arsenal lineup, not too much changes. If Zinchenko's back fit, obviously I think he should come back in. I thought Tinny was okay, but obviously he just can't bring the same level of I think, fluidity and technical ability to the role that Arteta wants on that left-hand side. Everything else, though, remains the same. Some people, when we were doing our morning show yesterday, suggested that Bakaya Saka could be rested or should be rested because he weren't that great. I just feel as though if you want a player to get back into the form, you know, the best way to do that is to allow them to play themselves back into form. So, yes, the game against Manchester City does follow on the following Wednesday. Um, and it's ironically to think that Man City's next Premier League game is against Arsenal because they're in FA Cup action this weekend, not Premier League action. But uh, it gives Arsenal an extra, I think, couple of days rest, or just the one day rest, in fact, over, over Man City playing on the Friday night. So if you wanted to bring off Saka at half-time or bring Trost side on, bring Nelson on if that's actually able to be done. If Arsenal can go into halftime without conceding for once would be quite nice. Um, but yeah, I think the rest holds its own. The only other area I think is is the right-sided centre-back area. Holding, of course, has been under a lot of scrutiny. That continued after the game against West Ham. If William Saliba is close to being back fit, there's an argument maybe you give him some minutes to see if he can be ready for the game against Man City. But 
Arteta did say before the game against West Ham that he felt like it would be, he would be back in a few weeks. So it would be surprising. However, he does have a habit of bending the truth somewhat in those interviews. So uh, it might be that Saliba will be fine. We'll have to wait and see. But I doubt we'll know anything until, of course, the team news comes out. Uh, I'm going to press you, Joe, for a predicted scoreline before we wrap things up. Oh, mate. Uh, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm very proud of this. Um, in my role of NBC, I've done the last two Arsenal games. I've predicted two all both times. And well, please don't do that again. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that, trust me. But I didn't have them 2 nil up and then uh, letting it go. I tr Trust me, that was not in my prediction. But seen a few defensive mistakes kind of crop up, but I think they can get away with that uh, against Southampton uh, on Friday. So I'm going to go for a 3-1. I think Arsenal are going to come flying out the traps, be too much for Saints, uh, get a couple in the first half. Maybe Ward-Prowse will equal the record with a free kick or something because I really cannot see Saints scoring from open play right now. Um, and then, yeah, um, I'd love to see Saka after the penalty miss, you know, grab a goal and just clinch it. Um, because I think, as you mentioned, the best thing for him to probably do is get back out there and get back on the horse, right, and just show everyone once again how good he is. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be great to see him and the other Arsenal stars get 50, 60 minutes in the tank and then for Arteta to be able to, to rotate people in and out ahead of that big game against City. So, yeah, I'm going for a 3-1 win to Arsenal against my beloved Southampton. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I, I said 3-1 or 3-0, and it's just so hard to to see Arsenal keeping clean sheets at the moment with the defensive kind of question marks over things. So, yeah, I think a 3-1 is is probably spot on. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out of your afternoon to have a chat. I really appreciate it, as always. Tell people where they can find you. Oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, great to be joining you, mate. And yeah, I'm on Twitter at JPW underscore Embassy Sports and uh, head over to NBCSports.com for all of our Premier League coverage and uh, all things stateside uh, in the world of soccer. Speaking of statesides, uh, the next time you see me, it will indeed be uh, from Chicago. Uh, our usual 8am show will, of course, become a 2pm show because there's no way I'm getting up at 2am in the morning over there to record. Uh, so you'll have to wait a little bit extra uh, to get your usual TGT uh, service. But thank you so much, everybody that's tuned in. Make sure you drop Joe a follow on Twitter at JPW underscore NBC Sports. You can find him there. You can find ourselves at the Guna Talk TV, myself at Tom Cantor Media. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the show for you. See you soon. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.